0: Welcome to the world of critical care. I wanted to do a brief follow-up episode on the hypokalemia episode and specifically related to CVICUs. I work in a CVICU and I think hypokalemia can be quite common in the CVICU and there's a few specific post-surgical considerations to have. And so super brief episode today, but this is something that could have really been attached on to the taking hearts episode When you have patients, especially if they have cardioplegia in the CVOR, where they have a chilled potassium solution put onto the heart, you know, this leads to the arresting of the heart. And a lot of times you honestly have hyperkalemic patients. It, It often is the case, but many times that is you're going to see it kind of returning to a normal level by the time they come out. But it seems to be pretty common. You, you get a lot of patients where they're slightly hypokalemic. And we're talking about patients that are like 3-5, 3 But there's a lot of unique situations going on in the immediate post-op period in a CVICU that I think is really important to think about but also because I do think it's a bit unique to CVICU. So first and foremost, you have a lot of hypothermic patients coming out of the CVOR. A lot Anesthesia does a great job trying to keep them warm, but there's just something about patients coming out, they may be borderline hypothermic, but I see a lot of patients actually dropping their temperature further once they come out to the ICU. Hypothermia causes a transcellular shift, and you can have hypothermia or have hypokalemia just from hypothermia. Secondly, you have a lot of patients with pretty high blood glucose levels. It's because of the cortisol levels from the surgical procedure that leads to our increased hyperglycemia. And so because of that, we typically are either on fairly significant either sliding scale insulin or we're on insulin drips. And a lot of our patients are on the IV insulin, which again, that's creating a transcellular shift. And so we're again, further pushing potassium into our cells. Now, remember metabolic acidosis or alkalosis. Now, alkalosis is the big one that can specifically cause some of our potassium shifting. More often we see some metabolic acidosis, I feel like, in our ICUs. And so our metabolic states, again, can affect things, but it's something to remember. Now, also remember epinephrine, it affects that beta-2 adrenergic receptor. And so because of that, if you're on an epinephrine drip, that could potentially affect our potassium levels slightly. So again, we have some unique situations that cause transcellular shifts in a CVICU. But also remember too, CVICUs, you have a heart many times, especially if it's a patient whose baseline pre-op was not as robust. Maybe they've got a pretty reduced EF. They've got a lot of ischemia in the past. Maybe they've had stents in the past when their stents is down. They've had a pretty big procedure. They had a four-by bypass plus a valve replacement and a maze. That's a lot of time on bypass. That's in a, There's a lot of time for myocardial stunning. We have swelling from the actual surgical procedure on the heart. All of that puts your heart in a potentially increased irritable state. And remember, a heart coming out of that procedure is at a higher risk for dysrhythmias. And so remember, hypokalemia on its own may not cause a dysrhythmia. But if that heart's already at a high risk, that may be the tipping point for your dysrhythmia. And if you add in another electrolyte abnormality, which can be common again in CVICUs, which is hypomagnesia, you again could be further setting yourself up for having some issues. Now, I wanted to mention too that I feel like I see a fairly significant amount of patients that start to have some ectopy on potassium levels that really aren't that low. And I think that's one of the reasons we as a unit keep our goal potassium over four. In fact, four one is our goal over. So actually if you're four oh, you get twenty mil equivalents of potassium. And so you see a lot of patients there the you start seeing increased PVC burden. Maybe you're getting some wide complex, short little VT runs, and you check a K and it's like three six, three five. You give them 20, 40 of K, and it bumps up over four, and the PVC's little VT goes away. And a lot of times that is in accompaniment to a magnesium being a little bit low. But it's really interesting how a heart in a really sensitive state, how much it can be symptomatic to potassium, which in really any other clinical situation we would see no rhythm abnormalities because of the potassium. And so I think that's something to consider, especially if you're in a cardiac or cardiovascular ICU. I remember back when I was in ICU float, I would see that when I was on our cardiac ICU, which was predominantly a heart failure ICU, And you'd get really, really sick patients, sick hearts, but they'd be on inotropic support, especially like a inotrope like milrinone, which kind of already can put you at a risk for some VT ectopy. And then you're often managing fluid status on the heart failure patients. And so you're trying to keep their fluid volume low. So they're regularly getting diuretics, which again is pushing the K down. A lot of times too, they have compromised renal states. and so. Because of the poor cardiac output, you have reduced renal blood flow, which then makes us really careful with our potassium replacement, but a lot of times you're kind of running low, and you have a drug like milrinone that causes some VT ectopy, and the heart's already pretty sick, and you see patients that are really symptomatic to potassium levels, which really in any other population is going to be completely asymptomatic. And so, I think it's important to remember, especially if you're in the CV cardiac world, that it is really important to remember that, though for most of your population, hypokalemia is not too much of a concern, and we can not be too aggressive in replacement. We can kind of go slowly in our replacement. In our in our really sick hearts, and in some of our unique post surgical. World, it's really important to be thinking about our electrolytes and trying to stay ahead of the curve in terms of our replacement. Something I really advocate for, and and most of our our advanced practice providers are great at our hospital, but trying to say, hey, if we're giving ADL ASICs, patients responding great, and we're doing that BID. Let's say, hey, let's go ahead and just treat with maybe 40 to 60 of K every time we do this because we know we're gonna lose it. And so those are things that I think can be really valuable to get ahead of the curve on in terms of our, our patient care. Thanks for listening. I, it's, a, it's a super short little, little snippet, but it's something that I do encounter quite regularly working in a cardiovascular ICU.